wealth tactic levels, ingenious tactics to accumulate wealth for people who see things differently. Welcome to another episode of Wealth Tactic Rebels, the podcast for people who see things differently. I'm your host, Kevin Dumont. I've been thinking differently in the wealth field for, I'd say, nearly 15 years now. And today, joining our conversation, we have a lovely guest, Kimberly Spencer. Kimberly, how are you today? I am doing amazing. How are you? <laughs> well, I'm amazing now that you're here. <laughs> so, Bringing light and sunshine everywhere. <laughs> I agree. I can feel it. I can feel it right now. <laughs> I have to put my sunblock on, actually. <laughs> so Kimberly is award-winning high-performance coach and founder of crownyourself.com. So today, uh, what we're going to talk about is morality of money. We all have relationships with money, and it directly affects what kind of money, what kind of assets, what kind of success that we achieve in our life. But first, Kimberly, would you mind sharing a little bit about where you came from and what inspired you to get to where you are today? I came from my mother, Kevin. (laughs) (laughs) Good point. (laughs) I, uh, I was born into an entrepreneurial household, so I grew up with not a lot of money. And the interesting irony and twist of Mm -hmm. my history was my dad was an addict and has been for the past 30 years of my life. And yet he was able to successfully grow a multi-million dollar company with my mom. They're still together. And so I grew up on the money struggle bus. Like Uh I remember with the money stories of like us not being able to go out to eat at a nice restaurant after church because we didn't have the money. I remember, you know, shopping at Kmart and, you know, people see what my parents have now and they assume that I always grew up with that. I was like, no, I did not. I grew up in a small little two bed, one bath house in Burbank. And it was, you know, and we never were lack for money. And that's something that I do have to attribute to seeing my dad, despite his own addictions, he never put us in a place of financial peril. And my parents have always been and still to this day are the most generous people that you will ever meet in your entire life. They Mm. would give like I saw my mom like getting out of the car to go buy Popeye's for a homeless man. Like my parents built a second story on the house just so they could house people who were in need or like missionaries. So they have always been the most generous people. And I have seen growing up the concept of tithing. Right, right. And despite my dad's own addictions, like he has always been very dedicated to that concept. So I always saw that giving and generosity, that it does come back, that the law of karma is like totally real. Right, right. And that when you bless other people with your money, it comes back tenfold. I agree. I agree with that. You know, I think that's becoming more the thought of that, the whole idea of not necessarily giving to get, but giving to make the world better. And like you say, the karma does come back if you want to yeah, find it's yourself not with in the a bitter expectation of it coming back. Right, right, right. Yeah. You, you give, and then it somehow by improving the world, your world gets better. Yeah, a hundred percent. And I've seen that with the success that my parents have had over the past thirty years. Yeah. And also, I mean, I was blessed with growing up with a very different mentality than what I've seen with other friends that I know or who had parents who went out and worked nine to five jobs. Like if my parents didn't have money, they would either go out and I would watch them hustle harder and do the work to get the job rather than just 
they didn't have that steady paycheck. So I grew right. up seeing the value of hustle, the value of discipline, the value of planning and seeing like, okay, this next month, we don't have a lot of clients scheduled. So we need to hustle and go bring in some clients. And so I think the entrepreneur mindset was very different to grow up with. And I'm really excited to see what this next generation for my son is going to how they're going to thrive. Because I do believe that thinking in those creative ways as an entrepreneur, Mm -hmm. it really is necessary to where we're going for the future. And I think the entrepreneurship way of thinking of having creative problem solving, of leadership, of Mm -hmm. Mm pre-planning, of hustle. I mean, nothing is necessarily guaranteed. When you put in the work, you do reap results. True, true, true. And, and <laughs> you know, it fits us with the Wealth Tactic Rebels philosophy here, which is thinking differently, right? Yes. I mean, traditionally, like you're saying, the way was go to school, go to college, maybe pick your career, study in it, go out and get a good job in a good company, probably a big corporation with room to grow up on your retirement and retire, which yeah. I mean... God bless you if you do it, but, (laughs) you know, not everyone wants to do that. Some people want to kind of get off on their own. And I think it's becoming much more prevalent and much more available now with the ability to get your word, your information out there to more people. Yeah. Yeah. It's just about learning the tools. And and anytime I'm working, because I work with a lot of solopreneurs and beginning business owners as a high performance coach, and it's about tapping into those tools, tapping into those resources that hustle and just learning and allowing yourself to have a toddling period. And the other thing about money, it's not taught in schools. Like I think I was taught how to maybe balance a checkbook when I was in my sophomore year of school. Yeah, exactly. The concepts of money, of investing, like none of these concepts are taught in school. And I think we're doing a massive disservice educational wise to kids when they're coming out with this old world mentality of, oh, if I go to school and if I get a job, then I'll be set. And that's not really how it's gone. And I I don't see that that's where it's going. There's a reason why college enrollment, it has gone down. I think it's gone down like 20%. Don't quote me on that specifically, but yeah, that, not sure. it's gone down significantly. And it's because people are seeing that you can make money online. You can learn, but there is a learning curve. And so a right. lot of people sometimes feel like making money online or having a virtual business that it's like, oh, I put a product up and now it's there. Now people will come to it and it'll make money. And I'm like, that's exactly how it works. <laughs> right, right. No, that is true. That is Definitely true. And like we talk about with Wealth Ethic Rebels, I interview people like yourself. We do some of our own episodes, and it's all about that. This is now what do you do? You've gone, you've got a job, you start to get an income. But if you don't figure out what to do with that money, if you don't figure out how to manage it, if you don't think differently about it, you're not going to succeed in life, so to speak. You're going to hit retirement, you're going to find your retirement is not going to be as fun because you're going to still be needing to work. You're not going to have the money you need to do what you want to do. And also, I've noticed a direct correlation, especially with my coaching clients, that with the amount of time that they spend in their genius zone and their relationship with money, that directly impacts the income that they are making in their business. Right. And that relationship with money that they're bringing in, because the base of your business, no matter what it is, the base of your career, if you're in a nine to five career, is you. Right. So your consciousness, the way you relate to money, the way you experience money, that is the foundation of what you're bringing. And when you bring it to a business, it's like personal development on steroids. Oh, absolutely. Right. Because what you believe, 
what your thoughts are, how you're thinking comes true. And, you know, I don't know how it was when you grow up and what you've experienced in your life, but I know that in my life, what I've experienced is that the majority of the people out there, especially the people who don't have money, tend to almost demonize it, right? We talk about this episode, we're talking about the, the morality of money. And in this, again, is another aspect that's not really talked about or taught. There's a little bit of teaching that you said about balance your checkbook, but no one really yeah. talks about relationship with money. And that is probably the single most important thing, you know? How healthy is your relationship with your significant other? Because if it's not healthy, your relationship fails, right? Yeah. And you got to work at it to maintain that healthy relationship to keep your relationship with your significant other going. Mm-hmm. Same thing with money. Exactly. If you don't have a healthy relationship with money, you're not going to have any. (laughs) Yeah. And it's very interesting. I wrote an article for Forbes that was about what's the relationship status of your business? Like in Facebook terms, like if we're to break this down into Facebook terminology, like if you were to define what your relationship with money is, are you single and mingling? Are you like looking for a job? Are you treating money like a side chick where you like check in with your <laughs> bank account on occasion, but then you're like, oh, I don't know. I think it'll come in. And then suddenly you check back and you're like overdrafting like a mofo. <laughs> or are you treating money like you're fully engaged? It's complicated. Like, do you not understand money? And it's okay if you don't because you have not been taught. It's true. But it's not your fault. Exactly. That's why for all of your listeners, like I so honor and celebrate the fact that you are listening to this podcast, that you are learning about money, that you are learning about what it takes to build and create wealth and then to have your money make you money because all of that is super powerful. And there's a couple different relationships with money that I've seen with my clients. Right. One is the relationship with earning and receiving money. Right. The other is the relationship with having money. So having is a giant concept of having. It's the concept of having. So if we were to zoom out to this concept of having, if you have a problem with having money, like I was working with one client and he had grown up very well off. He had an investment account. His parents had taught him how to invest. Right. And I was like, dude, <laughs> that's so much better than what most people are taught on a regular Absolutely. basis. But he had the money guilt of having money because it was going against the paradigms and the belief of money is the root of all evil. So right. he had money, but then he felt guilty about it. And so he was wondering, like, why am I struggling to build my business? Why am I struggling to do this? And I was like, well, if you have money and then you feel guilty about the having of money, then what's going to inspire you to go out and make more money so that you have more money? So that's where the cap is because you're blocking yourself at the glass ceiling and have it. And I've seen that with multiple clients who have grown up financially well off and suddenly they're in a position where they now are making the money and their guilt that they had from childhood and seeing that they had money when other kids didn't or that they like that carries with them so that it actually prevents them from going out and doing the hustle because it's that belief because then if you make more money then you'll have more money right and so it contradicts and that relationship it can be very abusive and so how do you heal an abusive relationship many of us have a have an abusive relationship with money if you're sure. like dealing with debt or if you're dealing with struggling to earn money in your business or in your career or getting a job and you spend more than you have sometimes that is an abusive relationship right how do you heal an abusive relationship 
Well, I frequently equate money to my relationship with my body because I had an abusive relationship with my body for 10 years. I was bulimic. And unfortunately, you cannot divorce yourself from your body. <laughs> unfortunately, and you know, sometimes we might want you cannot, to. <laughs> you cannot divorce yourself. Like, there's no marriage court for you and your relationship with your body. Like, you, know, like, you can go to counseling. Right. But, like, you cannot divorce yourself. Like, you are in that relationship for life. And the way that our society is structured right now, we cannot divorce ourselves from money. Money right, is just a form of energy. It is a natural resource, just like food. That's what it is. And, and if you think back to the origins of money, how it started, I mean, what did people do before the existence of money as we know it? They traded goods for more goods or yeah. goods for services. And that's literally how money came about. The more valuable the good was, the more they could get for it. And, you know, society eventually developed money as we know it. It's all it is, right? Mm -hmm. It's an exchange of energy. Right. We have to have it. The world functions on it. And it directly affects the quality of life that we have and the quality of life that we have with the people in our life and what we can mm -hmm. do for them. Mm -hmm. Right? And a couple deep-seated beliefs that counteract our beliefs around money and our desire to earn more or desire to have more are the belief that we don't deserve it. Right. The belief that you have to work really hard and at the sacrifice of your family or right, right. of your health in order to have it. The belief that you are not enough and that so thus if you are not enough then you'll never have enough and that it'll never be enough right. no matter how much you have. These are all beliefs. The thing what is is that what's what about, um, sorry, but what about, you know, what I see prevalent that's going on right now is, and especially right now we're looking at returning to the 2020 elections, right? All of the Democrats are all talking about taxing the wealthy. And, you know, they're always talking, you know, Bernie's always saying the one percenters need to pay their share, right? So I see almost this anger or contempt for people that have money that are considered wealthy. And some of them are wealthy people themselves. Yes. I see that as going on. It's, the oh, you have money, you're not a good person, you're cheating, you're doing something wrong, you know, and it's just society is viewing this person that has money as not a good person because they have money. There's no real basis for it. And then why would you want to go out and make or earn or have more money, again, to the concept of having? Right. Why would you want to have more money if money is the root of all evil? Like, right. you don't want to become evil, right? No, no. And, and you know what? I've met a lot of people, I've worked with a lot of people that have a fair amount of money. They're in that 1% bracket. Most everyone that I've met that has money, they're some of the nicest people I've ever known. They really are. They're really good people. They're relaxed. They're easygoing. Most of them are pretty generous, you know, mm -hmm. and, and you and I were talking about this earlier and you mentioned with your parents being generous. Yeah. The karma, you know, the giving, it comes back to you, right? A hundred percent. And I think with stigmatizing, it's about, you've got to remove your own, like all habits, like the results that you have right mm -hmm. now in your life, whether you like them or not, were consciously or unconsciously you created. And so first, in order to heal the relationship with money, having awareness to say, okay, this is where I am. Right. And then having ownership because right. placing blame on anyone else, the economy, the president, the government, some politician, your parents, anybody, the placing blame, it immediately puts you at the effects side of the equation. And the right, thing right. is, is that at the effects side of the equation, you can't change anything. Right, you have true. no power to change. If everything happens to you, 
then you're at the effect side. Mm-hmm. You cannot change. The only way you can change is by swinging the pendulum and being at cause, taking ownership. Now, something that's very important, though, as well, is to not swing the pendulum all the way to the other side where you're then the villain. Oh, it's my fault. I did this. I'm a failure. I got myself into debt. I went bankrupt, blah, 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 blah. By swinging the pendulum to you being at fault, that also is the effect side of the equation. Right. When there is fault, when it's somebody else's fault or if it's your own fault, that is also at the effect side. That's blame as well. Blame right, right. is blame is blame is blame. Right. So, so whether you're blaming extremes. yourself or you're blaming others, blame will never create new results. Blame right. keeps you stuck and it keeps you trapped in the past, which it is past old habits, past old beliefs. Mm-hmm, so if you mm-hmm. want to change your money status of where you are, it's about adopting new beliefs. Your beliefs translate into your thoughts, translate into how you feel, which translates then into your habits and your actions and your results. When you then take ownership of saying, okay, I caused this, I'm the problem, then that also allows you to be the solution. So you can say, okay, I caused this. I got myself like a few years ago, I was in $40,000 worth of debt. Mm-hmm. I was blaming my ex-business partner for where I was, for being bought out of my e-commerce company. I was blaming everybody else and their mother. Like right, I was not right. a very... This positive person in front of you, that was not me no, three years right, ago. Right. Like, <laughs> I was on the struggle bus. I was <laughs> living by beliefs that I had to work hard. I was working all the time. And the more I worked, the less money I was making. And I was like, right. what the F? Like yeah, this belief is... What is up with this? Right. And it was when I took ownership of saying, okay, I caused this. I made these choices. I chose to buy groceries on a credit card. I wasn't going out buying Louboutin shoes on my credit card. I was going out (laughs) buying groceries because I was not making enough money back then. Right. I was not taking the action steps needed. I was not managing my money well. So I had to take responsibility for that choice. And then in order to move forward. That is how I got myself out of $30,000 worth of that debt. Right. That is how I was able to grow my business 389% in 2018. That is how I have successfully built my company because I eliminated blame. Right. And I said, okay, I paused this. I'm not going down a shame spiral around it. Right. I'm saying I paused this, which means I can change that. Right. So, so what we've done so far is if we want to have a better relationship with money, we need to acknowledge it. We need to take ownership of it. Yeah. And then what would you say the third one is? Acknowledge it, take ownership, and then you're at the place where you can choose to change. Choose to change. There we go. One of my favorite books is Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl. And in this book, Viktor Frankl survived the most atrocities of humankind. He was a Jewish survivor of Auschwitz, and he went there having everything stripped away from him, including his notes on like psychology that he was studying. He decided that he was going to use that concentration camp experience to study (laughs) human behavior. He was a therapist and he saw that no matter whether you were a Nazi or one of the prisoners, he said that he saw with everybody (laughs) that between stimulus and response, you have a choice. So (laughs) you can't judge the natural human stimulus of fear. We have a natural human stimulus to blame. Right. Like immediately, our egos don't want to be put at, at fault. And right. I use that in quotation marks. But you have the choice to say, okay, oop, there's that feeling of blame. Oh, there's that feeling of fear that I have around earning more. Oh, there's that fear of putting myself out there and asking for another sale. Right. Oh, there's my fear of actually looking at how much money I have in my bank account. Um, okay, there's my fear. 
Now what's my past response? What do I choose to do differently? Because the definition right. of insanity is repeating the, the same, same thing time and time and time again. <laughs> expecting that expecting a different result. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. If you're if you're not looking at your bank account and you're like, well, why don't I have any money? Well, maybe the next when you start to feel that fear of like, oh, I don't want to look at my bank account. I really don't want to look at it. And you start to feel that fear and then you say, Okay, I'm gonna look at it. And you face that fear head on. Mm. It's a little act of courage. It's a little chipping away of saying, okay, I'm letting myself free out of this, this cage. Yep. Yep. And so between stimulus and response, you have the space to choose something new, to choose to do something differently. And that choice is super powerful. Right. And then the fourth step is to forgive. Ah. Forgive yourself. Forgive others. Forgiveness is so freaking powerful. It is super powerful. And forgiveness allows yourself to deflect the blame because nobody is harder on ourselves than ourselves and it is how we think about ourselves and the privacy of our own heads it really makes the difference as to how much more we can achieve and how we can grow and the thing is is that it's a daily practice it's mm. not a pill like you can't right. take the pill of forgiveness once and be like i'm healed <laughs> no, take the red pill you take the blue pill take the red pill take the blue pill but like you have to see like it's allowing yourself to have that moment of, okay, I'm at cause. I take ownership. I forgive myself from my past because that allows for that belief that I mentioned earlier, the belief of deserving mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. allows you to have grace because so often deserving is people think it's by our acts. And if you've had some past acts in the past that you're not really proud of, right. maybe you've gotten yourself into debt, maybe you, you slipped on a, a loan payment, whatever it was. It's about allowing yourself to take ownership, forgive yourself for the past, mm -hmm, because mm -hmm. what forgiveness does on an energetic level, it creates space. And right. so we've all heard, I'm sure if you're listening to this podcast, you've heard of the law of attraction. Sure. Um, we, we mentioned the law of karma. Well, there's another universal law called the universal law of the vacuum. And so nature abhors a vacuum. Absolutely. Like if you are walking on the beach and you're leaving footprints in the sand, eventually the ocean is going to come in. It's going to fill up those holes. It's going to then continue to have the tide come in and then the tide and then more sand is going to fill up so that eventually those footprints are gone. Right. Now you can choose consciously what you're deciding to fill up that space that you create through forgiveness. Right. Forgiveness creates a vacuum. And then you have the conscious choice, remember, between stimulus and response, you have the conscious choice that you can choose to fill that up with something, whether it's a belief that you are worthy of making more money, whether that's a belief that you deserve to be a wildly wealthy human, right. and whether that's a belief that by having more money, you can bless more people by impacting more. Because I truly believe, and this is my belief, is I believe that the more good-hearted, mission-minded, purpose-driven business leaders are making more money, this world is going to change radically. I, I believe agree. entrepreneurship will change this world. I agree. When it's good hearted conscious leaders. I agree. And I think there's more and more of that out there now. I think the reason why so many more people are becoming more wealthy is because we're finding so many ways to bring a value to this world. And when we bring that value to the world, we're doing something good for the world. And that the better it is, the more we get for it. And those are the kind of people that exactly that. It's going to just enhance who they are. They have more money. They can do more with it now. And now yeah. things like philanthropy go up. <laughs> yeah. You have more yeah, of that. 100%. And it's also what you focus on, you feed. So we have the step of awareness, ownership, forgiveness, making a new choice. And then how you go through that cycle time and time again. Right. 
is you feed yourself new information. You focus on the people like this podcast, like good-hearted people who are making an impact with more money. The right. Ed Milets of the world, the Richard Bransons of the world. Like, what are they doing? You study right. them instead of studying all the hateful rhetoric mm. that can mm. be spouted on right. the news. Have you seen this show right now that's on Netflix called Inside Bill's Brain? No. Yeah, there's a great show. And you talking about that, it just makes me think of this. It's a great show. And I haven't watched the whole thing yet. There's three parts to it. It's called Inside Bill's Brain. So Bill Gates. And yeah. it's talking about him as he is now. And now that he's not focused on just trying to create Microsoft and all that, he's changed. And now he spends most of his time going out there and trying to solve problems in the world. Yeah. One of them that he was trying to solve in this was that a lot of people in the poor countries... Kids are dying, people, and especially yeah. kids, but people are dying because of they don't have clean water. It's all infected. All the water is full of bacteria and things, and it's killing people. So he's trying, he, you know, doing philanthropy and pulling people together and minds and resources and things to solve that problem to save lives. Yeah. And I mean, and that is an, a testament to the fact that money enhances who you are. Like when exactly. people say, oh, money changes you. Yes, in some ways it changes you, but it just makes you an enhanced version of who you are. Yeah. Because I say if you expect that, oh, if you do the if then statement. So in coaching, like mm -hmm. I always catch my clients whenever they're in the middle of an if then statement, like when I have this, then I'll do that. When I'm ready for this, then I'll invest in that program. Right. When I feel this, then I'll start eating better. You know, <laughs> right, whatever right. it is. We can if then ourselves all the way home, but right. it doesn't actually move us forward. Like right. it keeps us stuck where we are. And so it's that if you think that you're going to donate, you know, $10,000 to charity when you're a millionaire, mm -hmm. if you're not donating $1 now, it's not going to happen. It's probably not going to happen. Right. Yeah. Because you are out of practice. It's like any practice, the practice of health. The practice mm -hmm. of honing your money mindset, the practice of building a business. Like if you are out of practice with actually doing those things, mm -hmm. you're not going to do it when you have it. Right. Like that's why right, so right. many people who win the lottery, they go broke they within do. like three years. Well, cause because they've never, they are, they're out of practice. Never, gonna, they don't have the practice. They don't know it's how like to manage you, the money. So you don't respect what you don't, do not earn. Right. And earning comes from the practice of doing those daily action steps. Mm -hmm. That's why sports teams practice. <laughs> yeah. yeah sports play. teams just don't run onto the field like, hey, great summer. Yeah. Let's just jump in to the Super Bowl. Right. They would break something. Right. You think about the best players in the world in whatever sport. You choose whatever sport you want. If you go and you learn about those people, those top of the top tier athletes, mm -hmm. You would think, oh, they're so good. They don't have to practice like the other people do because they're just talented. The truth is, if you learn about them, almost all of them practice twice as much Harder. and twice as hard, three times as much, three times as hard as anyone else mm -hmm. to get to where they are. Mm -hmm. I mean, Tom Brady is insanely disciplined about his routine. Exactly. Like it's most people want. That's why I say study the process of people who are successful, of people who are doing something that you would like to be doing, most people are like, oh yeah, I want a million dollars. That's like the common wealth sure, right, statement right. of I want a million dollars. Well, go find someone who's doing, like building a business, earning a million dollars or more mm -hmm. and look at the practices and processes that they are doing in place and ask yourself, 
is that a daily practice and process that I would like to be practicing and doing on a regular basis? Right. More often than not, you're not willing to do it. Like we all want the result, but not necessarily are we willing to put ourselves through the work of the process to get that result. Right. And there's a big difference between wanting and willingness. Right. Like wanting is saying something just like, I want a size two body. I want a million dollars. I want a house. I want a relationship. But unless you're actually willing, I don't just mean like willing of like, I actually feel motivated today to see if I can make a million dollars. No. (laughs) That's a little bit of willingness. That's not a full body willingness. When you have a full body willingness to do it, you are committed to putting in the practice every single day. When I signed up for the LA Marathon for March, like my practice is not starting a month before. My practice is starting <laughs> back in September, training and practicing and practicing and getting on the elliptical because I sprained my knee, like I doing whatever I could to still keep practicing so that I stay on my game so that I can run for four hours. Right. So we've got the, uh, what, what would we talk about? Four steps so far? Well, it's four or five steps. Five steps. Five. <laughs> anyway. uh, uh, awareness, awareness, ownership, right. making a new choice forgiveness and then repeat the process. <laughs> repeat the process. Right. So I keep like, doing it because it's like we talked about earlier, relationships need continued work and continued maintenance. Yeah. So I think at this point we can talk a little bit about taking that morality out of the money. You've got yourself in a position where you can change your mind now. So at that point, I think we need to change the actual thought, that thought of, oh, well, money is bad. Money is whatever it is. It's just money. Yeah. Right? Good and bad describe morality. And when I was going through bulimia, my connotation of certain foods were that some foods were good and some foods were bad. Mm -hmm. Like I felt like Linda the Good Witch. Like, are you a good food or a bad food? Are you a good money or a bad money? (laughs) And I had to eliminate the morality of money or and the morality of food too. Because Cheetos are not good or bad. They're just Cheetos and it's a choice. Right. The choice to make more money, the choice to have money, it's not a good or a bad choice. Mm -hmm. It's just a choice. So what are some mindset choices that people can make to help them now think about money in a way that they've covered the steps there at that thinking part? What are those choices that they can make to help them think in a way that's going to help them view money in a positive light to start bringing that into their life? For one, watch your language, like watch your language and watch who you're hanging out with. Be Mm -hmm. very aware because your language is a command to consciousness itself. And so be very aware of the language that you hear. And I'm not talking about like aware from a place of judgment, like saying, oh, my gosh, you're talking about money as being bad. I can no longer hang out with you. We can't be friends. Right. right. I don't think that that's the case. (laughs) I think just being aware of saying, oh, okay, I'm hanging out with my friends. It's Saturday night and everybody keeps talking about how it's so expensive and how they just can't afford it and how they just, huh, that's interesting. The question of, huh, that's interesting. It removes judgment. It allows you to look at it from a different perspective, almost like an anthropologist studying yourself as the human that you are studying. And so when you notice that you 
or people around you are using this common language of, oh, I don't have enough money or, oh, people who have money are just awful. You know, all those sort of like negative connotation statements. Right. Be hyper aware, like acutely aware of the language of the people around you, because then you'll have an idea of what has shaped your beliefs Mm. about money and what beliefs you probably need to change in order to start having and receiving Mm. more. Mm. I like that idea. I did not. Yeah. Yeah. It's, It's almost like a scientific mind at that point. Huh. That's interesting. Why are they thinking that way? Now you start analyzing yeah. and thinking about it. Oh, I see. Because they don't think that they're going to go anywhere with their career. They're not making any more money. Oh, I can see why that's expensive for them now. You know? Yeah. You can see where that mindset change comes from. So, okay. Well, you know, I didn't think I was going to learn my career. Well, maybe if I now start thinking differently about my career, mm-hmm. if I start thinking, what can I do to advance myself? Now I can stop thinking about that's expensive. I can I can start thinking about I'm going to be able to afford that soon. Yeah. And I stopped even using the word expensive because it has the connotation of having a cap. Right, right, and right. Money is like air. Yeah. Like money is like if you took a deep breath right now, you're not taking any breath from me. it's not like if you have more breath like then i don't have more breath i just need to take a deeper breath right so if you have more money it's not that i don't have more money you don't take it away from me right like it's oh i can just have more and expensive connotes a cap right the same if i can't afford it so saying i can't afford it may not be the best way of thinking right. about money because then it immediately limits right. what you can afford in your subconscious. Yep. Yeah. Versus if you were to instead speak to yourself in a different way of saying, I really look forward to buying that Sunday. I mm-hmm. really am excited about being able to afford that. Right. It's changing. Like maybe you can't immediately say, and I'm not about lying to yourself because your heart has a built-in bullshit meter, which is a totally different day. Your heart has a built-in bullshit meter, and it'll to know when if you're telling yourself like an affirmation or a statement that's not true. Right. So if you've been saying for years that I can't afford this, I can't afford that, and your heart's saying, yeah, you can't afford this, you can't afford that, like that's what's built up, and so that's the belief that's built up. Well, instead, you can't immediately say, I could go out and buy an $800 Aramis scarf. Like, it's not going to believe that. And that may not be the wisest purchase anyway. Right. <laughs> but you can say, oh, I really look forward to being able to have a beautiful scarf. I know it's possible for one day for me to have a scarf like that, too. Yeah. suddenly right. what that does, what your language will do, it will then direct your subconscious to start seeking new ideas. Mm. For example, I was working with a real estate investor, and she had like this... It's like an $80 million property that was online. And she had only four weeks to find an investor. And right. she was like not finding someone. And she had this property under contract. And the whole time for the first session that we were working together, she was like, I don't have an investor. I can't find an investor. I don't have an investor. Mm-hmm. And she was constantly saying that. Right, right. And, Which and sets your mind that, into that mode. After that, I said, absolutely, you are so right. And she was like, what do you mean? And I was like, you are so right. You do not have an investor. And she was like, well, yeah, like that's why I hired you so we can like, what do I need to do? I said, well, consciously, in your conscious awareness right now where you are, you are not aware of an investor. But what if, just like a horse on the racetrack, you remove those blinders and you allow that horse to see all the possibility around them? They wouldn't necessarily be just driving down that racetrack of can't. They would want to roam everywhere. Yep, I said, so yep. why are you limiting your unconscious? And I said, what if instead you just started saying, I have an investor, 
I'm looking forward to being aware of who that is because your unconscious mind, which I believe is tied to like mm. higher consciousness, collective consciousness, God, the source. That's how, what manifestation is. When you take off those conscious blinders of language and you start shifting your language, it will allow you to start seeing more opportunity. This is why yeah. I don't write my goals as if like, oh, I want to reach, you know, half a million dollars by such and such a such date. I say, I am so grateful that I thank you. Thank you for my half a million dollars. Thank you for having me only fly first class. Thank you so much for my house. Thank you so much for my child. Because combine gratitude with the belief that it's already there. It's in the unconscious awareness. And if we were to go into like quantum physics, quantum entanglement, like somewhere out there, like if you can believe it, it is possible. Right. Like years ago, hundreds of years ago, people who thought that there would be people on the moon were called lunatics. Right. So, like, yeah. So, I mean, and now we've had people on the moon. If people thought that, oh, you know, you can talk to somebody on the other side of the planet through these radiological waves. Like, <laughs> they would have thought this is crazy. Exactly. Exactly. But if you can believe it, if you can dream it, it is possible. Right. And so it's about expanding your mind and your language is the greatest way to see how broad you can see. Yep. And to I see agree. how far your blinders are. I agree. I think of it, you know, just speech is very powerful. It just like, just like music. So I think the same thing, you know, if you're sad and you're listening to sad music all the time, you keep being sad until you get out of that, you know, start listening to something fun and happy, start watching comedy, all of a sudden your mood enhances, you know, even just listening to you telling that story, I was kind of telling that story to myself in my head. And the moment I was like, oh yeah, that investor's out there. Like all of a sudden my mind said, where is it? Was in two weeks getting the email from my client when she said, oh my God, Kim. I have an investor. There you go. I said, of course you do. Yeah, of course. Of course you do. Course. Because you started telling yourself a new story. You can either have your story or you can have your results. So I would say if the current story that you're living in is not working for you, find a new story. Right. Agree. Like create a new one. I agree. And allow yourself to be open and open your unconscious to allowing yourself to receive something different into mm-hmm. your awareness. Great. All right. So before we close for today... We're going to ask you our Wealth Tactic Rebels version of a value bomb. (laughs) And this is the one that follows our philosophy of we believe you have more in the long run to be had by first avoiding losses before you go chasing a rate of return, right? So the value bomb is what in your experience should our listeners look to avoid and what can they do about it? Look to avoid waiting to be ready. Waiting to be ready is elusive and it's an insidious belief that will keep you waiting till one day that you can have what it is that you want. Right. Instead, and I think waiting to be ready is one of the greatest risks that you can avoid by not waiting to be ready. Right, right. Because readiness only comes through and confidence only comes through competency and through practicing and failing and trying and testing on a new belief and testing, okay, well, maybe if I played with my language a little bit, maybe if I stop saying I can't afford it and then you catch yourself one day saying, oh, I can't afford that. And you're like, oh, dang it. Okay. Okay. I'm going to put that into practice (laughs) instead right away and shift. I'm going to allow myself to become aware, take ownership, forgive myself, make a new choice. And then I'm going to work myself through that and then celebrate your resiliency. Because Mm. 
I would choose resiliency over readiness any day. I did not feel ready to become a mom. I did not feel ready to start a business. I did not feel ready to write my first screenplay like years ago when I did, when I had that big win. I did not feel ready for any of those. But what I did do was I stepped up to the plate and I swung. And there's a reason why Babe Ruth was known as the home run kid for like the longest time. He also had the most amount of strikeouts. Exactly. But it's because he got up to the plate and he trained his resiliency and he practiced and he was resilient. And he said, okay, cool. I'm going to do it again. Do it again every single time. And so whatever money struggles you're dealing with right now, whatever money thing that you're working through, own the fact and celebrate the fact every day that you're still getting up and going to the plate and going to bat. Because that, that resiliency, when you train your brain to know that, you're not going to want to quit. Like most people quit before they even get up to the plate. Like you're not, a champion is not going to want to go into the arena if you already know that you're going to lose. Right. Like a champion is cheerleading themselves on in their mind and then they go into the arena believing that they're going to win. Babe Ruth went up to that home plate every single time believing that he was going to hit a home run. Yep. He didn't always. Right. He sometimes struck out, but he still went up with that belief and he believed that he could do it and he backed himself up by action. Yep. And that's the big thing with the law of attraction is that you got to take action. You can't just sit on your butt and like wait for it to come to you. Money is not just going to come. It is an energy. There has to be some sort of doing. And so doing that, doing the practice of being generous. Maybe it's not at this moment being generous with your finances if you don't feel like you're in a place to do that. But maybe it's being generous with your time. Maybe it's donating an hour to a cause that you care about. Maybe it's donating, like I said, just one dollar. Maybe it's getting into that practice so that you're practicing going up to that plate time and time again. Sharing your knowledge. And sharing your knowledge. <laughs> well, speaking of, thank you for sharing your knowledge today with our listeners. It's been great information, great knowledge, good conversation. And I think hopefully we are changing someone's view of morality and money. <laughs> Yes, please. And please join my community on Facebook at Crown Yourself. It's just a Facebook group. It's my community. If you have any questions, if you listen to this episode and you loved it and you're like, oh my goodness, I want to talk more about money. I want to help like strengthen my money mindset and watch my language, then please, please, please jump into my Facebook community, which is facebook.com forward slash groups. And when you jump in to join, you will get a free hypnosis that will reprogram those deep subconscious beliefs of worthiness because you are worthy of having your dreams and your desires and that purpose that is placed in your heart. I truly believe it was placed there by the divine and that you are meant to do something amazing and extraordinary and bless other people with the infinite make them. I'm just so grateful that you have me on heaven. Thank you. <laughs> Grateful that you've been here. Absolutely. And I agree with you. I believe that we're all going to do something great, all of our listeners today. And yes. I'm going to also put all of your information, your Facebook page and everything on our show notes page. So you go to wealthtacticrebels.com and look for today's episode, Morality of Money with Kimberly Spencer. And thank you again, Kim. Really appreciate your time today. Absolutely. Thank you so much. I just so appreciate you. And I'm so grateful for every single listener who is listening to this because you are taking an active step in changing people's lives and blessing other people with your knowledge. And I'm just keep doing what you're doing, Kevin. You're doing amazing things. (laughs) Thanks so much, Kimberly. I appreciate it. I'm glad we're on the right track. And thank you, Wealth Ethic Rebels, for listening in today and have a fantastic day. Want to really see things differently? Take our course in Genius Tactics 201, where we teach you all the wealth accumulating tactics with detailed real-life examples, see your progress with quizzes, and a certificate of completion. 
For course details, visit WealthTacticRebels.com. Sign up today and start seeing things differently. This presentation is intended as informational only. The information presented does not consider your particular financial objectives, risk tolerance, time horizon, or other unique circumstances, and does not constitute a personalized recommendation or replace the advice of a financial, tax, or legal advisor or other qualified professionals. Do your own research and do not use the information of this presentation in place of a customized consultation with a licensed professional. To the best of our ability, we provide content that is accurate as of the date of release. However, we give no assurance or guarantee regarding its accuracy, timeliness, completeness, or applicability. We assume no liability for the information of this and related presentations.